0: Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries. No more time zone issues. Just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more.
1: Uh, we are joined by both Eric and Ian. Eric Johnson is an experienced Scrum Master with a passion for really evaluating competing sprint priorities. I'm sure many of you can relate to that, uh, creating engaging training content, and really being a liaison between customer facing and technical teams. Of course, he's also incredibly passionate and hugely knowledgeable about sharing his in depth knowledge of AHA's product development tools. So we really look forward to hearing more from him today. Uh, Ian Templin is an experienced educator, creator, and product professional. Uh, He's the director for product management um, for Pragmatic's Product Vertical. So he and his team of instructional designers are the ones that are creating and refining really purposeful and inspiring learning experiences uh, that meet the needs of the very best audience in the world, uh, you. So, welcome very much, uh, Eric and Ian. I really can't wait for our group to hear from you. I'm going to go ahead and pass the reins over for you both to say hello and share some more.
2: Absolutely. Eric, if you want to give a quick hello. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, the favorite thing on my
3: roadmap right now, because I use it in a personal life, is potty training. I have a toddler, and it's. Uh, we thought it was going to be a feature. It's in. It's an epic. <laughs> it's well, I'm I'm really excited to, to apply these learnings uh, both professionally and uh and domestically today.
2: Excellent. That's gonna be a hard one to beat. Uh I'm Ian Temple. <laughs> um similarly on, on my roadmap, I think uh, you know, as Georgina had mentioned, I have the best job in the world in that my audience and the people that I work for are all of you also product professionals. And so It's always, what are you all looking for? What problems are you looking to solve? Uh, That's how I find the next right thing to do. And that's why I think you're here today, uh, is that you're trying to find that right balance of what tools and training will help you and your teams be most successful. And I think that's so important for you to to think about and validate because success is not the natural state of business, unfortunately, you know, the stats don't lie that, that most businesses, not just startups, but businesses, even down to features, often don't succeed. You know, I think probably all of us on this call have some experience or scars of a feature that we just knew was gonna rock our customers and it got used once or maybe never, or we launched a new product out into the world and instead of hitting with a bang, it hit with kind of a whimper or a thud. And there's a lot of reasons that that happens. And many of these you've probably experienced, but the number one that you see up there at the top, the stats don't lie, the number one reason that things often fail is that there's a lack of need in the market or put more bluntly, We're building products that nobody wants. And why does that happen? Well, oftentimes what we hear at Pragmatic call inside out thinking occurs, which is we're very focused on the product we have today. And if we just put it in the right price to the right place with the right promotion, it's just going to fly off the shelf. But unfortunately, there's a missing P kind of at the center of all of this that we really need to be focused on. And in our foundations class, we talk about the problem being right what's at the center. If we're not starting with a problem that exists out in the market, we're likely to create something that may be cool for us, that may be fun for our engineers to work on, that might be exciting for sales to sell, but it's not something that the market is looking for. So we've got to start with the problem. So how do you discover those problems? This is something we dig deeply into into our foundations class. The CEO of box.com tells us that you'll learn more in a day talking with customers than a week of brainstorming, a month of watching competitors, or a year of market research. Now, all of those things are absolutely important and critical, but if you're not getting out into the market, you're missing the opportunity to capture those problems. And I'd say there's kind of three potholes that we need to watch out for. The first one is just not doing it, getting stuck into firefighting and uh, your day-to-day tactical work and not carving out that time to get out into the market and listen. We think that's so important we have an acronym for it. And all of my pragmatic alumni are already probably cheering it right now on the webinar. That's Nahito. Nothing important happens in the office. Bold statement. What we're saying there is, of course, the work you do with your team matters. Of course, the work that you're doing, liaising with your executive teams and sales and marketing and everyone else matters. But if you're not getting out in the market, you're not learning. And this is one of the actual really benefits of this new kind of digital world that we're in of Having Zoom and Google Meet, it's it's much easier to get Face FaceTime with someone you want to go out and reach. So pothole number one is not doing it at all. You've got to fix that. Carve out the time. Pothole two, the thing you want to be careful of is that when we do find that time, we often focus in on just our customers. They're the easiest to reach, and they love to tell us the next thing we should work on. But they have a very unique view of what it is that they want us to be working on and building. At Pragmatic, we recommend that you aim for at least 10 visits a quarter and you do it across a whole market segment. So not just those customers, the people who found a problem and were super smart and came to you for the solution, but also those evaluators that have also realized they have a problem, but they're out looking for a solution and you want to make sure that you're connecting with them to show why yours is the right one. And then the potentials. We're out there trying to find those people that maybe haven't realized they have the problem, but we think that they do. And if we can talk to all of those, then we can find and capture problems that resonate across that market segment. So pothole two to avoid is not getting uh, not getting stuck just talking to customers. You absolutely want to talk to them, but broaden the horizons. And we dig deep into how to do that in foundations. Pothole three, you've been a good doobie, as Georgina says. You've gone out, you've done the work, you've captured your Nihito, you've written it down, and then you put it in a digital drawer. Unfortunately, it goes into the thing that maybe just the product team sees, or maybe just you, it's in your folder, and it's not getting shared with your engineering teams or your development teams. They're going to lose the market context, and that's going to be a through line throughout the whole thing today. So how do we make sure that that market data that we're capturing gets into the hands of the people that need to see it most? Eric is going to show you the way that AHA does that.
3: Thank you, Ian. Okay, so so many well-meaning product managers do do great research, just like Ian said, but it goes in a drawer. It's filed, and, and so it's there's a struggle to integrate that into your product decisions. Uh, to mitigate that, it's a great idea to store your research in the same tool where you define your work, your uh, roadmap, and prioritize work. And that's what you're looking at now. This is this is Aha Roadmap. So we created this for product teams to define what we call the why, the when, and the what of a um, product development. And from this, you can build different types of roadmaps to different audiences. You can define and prioritize work here. And then you see these arrows, you connect it all the way back up to your um, overall product strategy and the market research that that informs it. Um, we're here in Fredwin Cycling. This is a, a demo product workspace, um, kind of an activity tracking application that we created. The data is real. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Uh, and for this section of the webinar, I'm gonna show you three parts. We're gonna talk notebooks, uh, strategy, and ideas. Um, let's jump into the notebook. So this right here is uh, your your single source to to gather all of that all that research. This is where notes and whiteboards live in Aha Roadmaps. So you can create one from scratch, of course, but you can also uh, use a template. Um, we have a growing library of. Uh, templates here for each kind of step of the product development lifecycle including some methodological ones if you um if your developer team follows safe uh, but this is also where you can create and customize your own template so so a lot of your pragmatic worksheets live live right here market discovery document distinctive competencies um a kpi worksheet this is all this is kind of where you say nahito has a home Um, This is an evaluator interview that I put together earlier. You can see I can uh, mention other members of my team. We've had a great discussion here. Uh, We can also link it to uh, potential work items or other meeting notes all on one uh, place here. And if I'm using a template that gets applied every time somebody uh, conducts one of these interviews, we're we're oriented towards the work the same way. Uh, Over here on the left is a pretty colorful uh, document hierarchy. So this is where everything from meeting agendas to customer financials, evaluator research uh, lives. Uh, And so everyone can gather ideas and insights into one place and then use that to inform, here's my transition, uh, their strategy. So strategy is is the why of what you do. And and, um, in AHA, we we designed this so that work links back up to this strategy so that everybody knows why their work matters uh, when they're working on it. You'll hear me say that a couple of times today. There's a lot in here. I'm just going to briefly touch on a couple of things. We break this into foundation, market, and imperatives. um, And it all kind of starts with vision right here. Um, so this visualization looks really simple, uh, but this is our true north that guides the product team. Um, and, and it's also should express the ultimate problem that we're trying to solve as a product or or as a company. Um, and it also informs our, our business models. Um, so here's strategic models um, in AHA Roadmaps. So once again, there's templates, a lot, a lot of classic ones here that you recognize, Lean Canvas, SWOT, that sort of thing. Um, but you can also, of course, create and uh Customize your own. Uh, for example, a segment profile here comes standard with AHA roadmaps. I could change this around, move components. I can, I can also turn it into, you might recognize this, uh, the segmentation worksheet, um, which I got from the community forum that you and I are both members of and, and just applied with my own coloring and my own text and my own data uh, right here. Once I've created a strategic model based on um, the pragmatic framework in my account, then anyone in my account, that's maybe not even just in my product, but across my whole portfolio of products, um, can can think and and um, go through the, the steps in the same way. Okay, so that's strategic models. Um, let's talk about personas. Uh, so per- persona profiles, kind of the, the market side of strategy. Are here to help us remember the people the actually the little faces, um, I guess, and legs and bicycles in this case uh, of the people that we're, we're building for the, the folks we talk to, whether they're customers or not, um, the, the people whose actual problems we're trying to solve that that kind of missing P that um, that Ian was talking about earlier. Once again, I can customize any of this, move components around, whatever is helpful to me. Um, but the, the main point is, and I'll show you this a little later, I can link back and I probably should link work back to this. So in my own work in AHA internally, um, I always have someone's name uh in, in a feature I'm working on or an epic I'm working on. So I have that constant reminder of, of uh of the people I'm building for. Last thing I want to show you, there there is uh there are goals and imperatives or excuse me, goals and initiatives in, in uh in strategy, but I want to talk about those in prioritization. So I'm going to jump ahead to, to ideas here. There's an element of Nihito that is always on, right? It's it's great to have those really in-depth person-to-person meetings um, with potential customers and evaluators, but but you need to balance that with collecting regular feedback from as many people as possible. right? There there is this this balance and and art to product management that way. Um, And that's where Ideas Portals comes in. So what you're looking at here is the official AHA Ideas Portal. Anyone, um, customer or not, with this URL can come here and give us feedback. We often do. Um, You can see we've got thousands of ideas here. And we review every one of these regularly and as quickly as possible. so that we can have an ongoing conversation with the people who actually want or need a thing. Um, in fact, you are welcome. <laughs> please do, if you start a trial or, or not, to, to come here and and talk about what might um, what might be great to add or to tweak in in Aha products. This is a great way to um, to engage with our with our community. In fact, there's whole parts of our product that came from a single customer conversation. You'll see this a little later. Um, I'm able to promote customer ideas to elements to records on my roadmap. Um, and and create that link back to, um, in this case, the 414 people who, who care about capacity planning, that sort of thing. Uh, this is what it looks like from the outside. From inside your AHA account, I'm back in Fredman Cycling. It looks like this. So um, I've got some stats on my portal here. Um, and then, along with some other things, I can review. New ideas as they come in. I always see the new ones. So this could be my my morning discipline. If I'm a product manager, weekly, kind of depending on your on your cadence. But this lets me not only track the votes, but also comment, have a conversation with, um, with the people who care about a new thing. Okay, that's market research um, and 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 how to gather that and form it into your your strategy. I think next we're talking about uh, prioritization.
2: So yeah, Eric just actually demonstrated a couple of things that are very very helpful. Uh, one is as you saw in that idea portal. There are always problems to be solved and great ideas that people have. There's we, we are as product people kind of by our nature, problem solvers, and we want to see a problem, sink our teeth into it and solve it. But you're never going to have the amount of resources that you want or need to be able to solve every problem. And frankly, you shouldn't solve every problem. So once we've done that work of going out, finding those problems in the market, understanding them, making sure that we're putting a face to them, which we're going to talk about a little more in a little bit as well, uh, we then have to do some kind of We got to be hard about how do we validate those problems to make sure they're ones that should actually be solved. And then are they the right ones for us to solve? And if we do that, we can get down to the things that we really want to spend our time and money on as product people building up the plan to get approval, to get something onto our roadmap. In our foundations course at Pragmatic, we have a three pronged test that we use to to decide, is this a problem that really should be solved out in the market? Those three things are urgency, pervasiveness, and willingness to pay. So urgency Is this a problem that's going to require immediate action? Is this something people are feeling right now? And is that an urgency that's going to last long enough for you to put a solution into market and to see whatever results you're looking for from that solution? Is this a temporary pain or is this something that's that's going to be around for a while and people are feeling that need to solve this? Pervasiveness, Pervasiveness asks, is this widespread? You know, you've all been in the same boat as I have, where you've heard, oh, my gosh, everybody would want this. And when you say, great, give me 12 people to talk to uh, to find out more about it. Well, Okay, well, it was one or two calls that I had, but I know everyone's going to want it. You really need to dig down to is this a problem that is pervasive enough within a given market or market segment that that you're going to have a base of customers that are going to want that solution once it gets out into the world? And then willingness to pay. Right. That's the big one. Yes, I have a, I have a problem that's really urgent for me. Yes, it is pervasive, not just for me, but for other people like me. Am I willing to pay for it? And understanding that payment doesn't always mean money. Maybe that's attention or data or something else. Am I willing to give something up to have that problem get solved? Once I've used that three-prong test, I've kind of moved from a problem to an opportunity. Then I have to decide, are we, is my company the right person to solve that problem? Are we in the right space to be the ones to jump in and and, and find a solution to that problem or or solve that opportunity? First things first, does it fit within our distinctive competencies? Not just this is something we're good at, but this is something we're good at that differentiates us from the other competitors within our market. Is this something that really stands out, whether it's pragmatic or aha, whatever your company is that says, this is something that people would say, yes, this makes sense for, for us to solve? Then we have to look down at, do we have the time, talent, and resources to be able to solve this in a meaningful enough time frame? Think again of urgency and pervasiveness to make it worth solving for us. How red is the ocean that we're considering diving into? What's the competitive landscape look like out there? And then does this really fit with our ethos? Is this is, Are we going to solve something that makes sense for us? So we want to take all of those problems in the world. And you have this cool uh, uh, funnel that's also a filter. It's like a funnel. That will that will take all those other opportunities out that aren't right for you. So, whatever that looks like, this is a tool that we've been working on for our update to our focus course uh, that we've been trying out with with some of our alumni friends. And what's really important here is less what the individual items are on the screen, because you're going to decide what's right for your company. What's really important here is that you're normalizing how it is you're doing prioritization. This is super key for all of those stakeholders that are gonna be bringing opportunities your way. If you're working with sales and marketing and they're bringing opportunities your way or customer success, uh, whoever you're working with, they should know how you take an opportunity and and justify and prioritize what it is. That way you're not running into the issue of, hey, I don't think that I got the attention that I should have for this. You can show a very numeric and, and clear way that you're prioritizing the things that you're doing. So once again, this is about visualizing your priorities in that common space, so that everyone understands how we do it, and we can get that collaboration and buy-in. And thankfully, Eric's going to show you some of how to do that. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, this section we're talking about prioritization, just like uh, just
3: like Ian did, and this is really about filtering. Right? You, you filter down the new opportunities to find the most valuable, and you need to integrate them with what you're already working on, what's already in flight. So I, I'm going to look at two different use cases. Um, first, let's talk about new product opportunities, how to evaluate bringing another product into your portfolio um, if you're lucky enough to have uh, a bunch of products. And and then secondly, for existing products, how do you prioritize the next uh, most valuable thing to work on um, in your backlog? Okay, first, let's jump over here to new product opportunities. This, by the way, is the focus of the the knowledge base article that we wrote um, about configuring your AHA account uh, to to model the the pragmatic framework. Uh, So if you wanna follow along at home, That URL is coming your way afterwards, uh, but really high level. Uh, Basically, we we recommend you create a workspace called new product assessment to assess uh, new products. It's a great name. Um, And then create each new product opportunity as a strategic initiative, a large theme of work in your account. Uh, That allows you to um, chart them. You might recognize this chart, investment versus impact. And I can click and drag here um, to change the relative score. Uh, Well, pretty significantly, it looks like right there. for, for each, for each new product opportunity. If anything, um, uh, needs to go through stage gates or, or statuses i've got a workflow view right here so this is the kind of the basic workflow for an initiative but i could add things in here that, that are really important to the process as i vet new product opportunities i've got i could put in regulatory or, or, or legal reviews here some sort of budgetary review something like that um anything that passes this that we want to really dive down and focus on as as something we're serious about we recommend you create um their own workspace uh, you can see i gave these all code names because that's kind of fun for me but you could change names whenever you want to. And, and basically uh, that workspace becomes um, the home for that new product opportunity and, and maybe the new product when you decide to, to launch it. Your market research starts happening there. All of the pragmatic activities happen there. And then if you do decide to go through to launch, um, this is this is the home for, for the entire life cycle of the product from, from launch to sunsetting um, would all happen uh, right in there. Okay. That's for use case number one. Uh, number two uh, is to talk about work in flight for for an existing product. Uh, you and I both, I know <laughs> without even knowing your names, uh, have a bunch of stuff you could be working on. Uh, the secret is is to not pick the most, uh, the squeakiest wheel, but to actually find the thing that's going to add the most business value and, and customer value if, if we release it out to the market. Um, so to do that, we're gonna take our strategy into consideration, which again, is informed by all that research we did and continue to do as we continue to hone the strategy. Um, and we consider a couple other factors as well. So I'm here on an ideas prioritization page Here's a bunch of ideas that came into my portal. They all have need review status on. This might be something I'm doing um, daily or weekly again. And then this is the product value score. This, this looks a lot like the, the opportunity scoring table that you saw Ian just show, uh, which is great because as with everything else, you, you can customize it. This is the default um, product value scorecard, uh, but you can customize the metrics, the weighting, the, the equation, the names, whatever is useful for you um, as long as you have this number. This is an objective way to compare and evaluate different types of work without having interminable meetings um, uh, about it. So by default, we're looking at population, how many people want the thing, need, how urgent is it, strategic impact, level of effort, and then confidence metric, which is kind of a fun one. Um, I might evaluate uh, or score work a couple different Key points uh, during the product development lifecycle. Here, when I'm scoring ideas, I haven't had development weigh in yet. Um, I might just literally have the one idea description. So, if I have a lower confidence metric, you can see that affects the score. Ideally, that goes up <laughs> once I get this thing onto my onto my actual roadmap. Okay, I can click and drag here to to make things a custom ranking if I not, if I, I want to. But the important thing is I can promote ideas uh, directly to my uh, roadmap right here. Um, I can promote them to something that's small as a requirement. You would, might call this a task, subtask, um, up to a strategic initiative, that large theme of work that's going to take probably several months. Um, this one would probably be a feature. Once I promote it, um, I, I create a link between that idea and everyone who subscribed to that idea and the work on my roadmap. So it, so it actually um, it brings the people with me into the into the product development process, not just the persona I'm linking to, but, but the actual people who care most about it. Um, let me show you it from the other end. So, so, this is the features board. Um, right here, you've got releases, which are these containers for work focused around uh, a specific date. And then over on the right, I've got uh, backlogs. So, um, we call these parking lots. Um, here's an idea that I promoted earlier. Uh, and you can see here's the link there's the original idea, there's the votes, there's the status. As this feature moves through the product development lifecycle at key points, I'm going to, AHA will automatically Update people that their idea is is actually being implemented. You can customize that to match your you know company brand voice and things like that. Um, and when it ships, we get this big celebration, and and the people who subscribed um, know how it happens there. We're not just shipping yet, though. Let me show you how to prioritize features within a release. This is another key point um, in the lifecycle that we want to reassess the value of what we're working on before we send this over to engineering or, or working it on ourselves. Um, this is the features prioritization page. It should look fairly similar to the idea of the prioritization page, because it is. I, and that's intentional. We want you oriented towards prioritization and those value discussions in exactly the same way. Um, and in fact, using the exact same scorecard, hopefully with a higher confidence metric, um, now that engineering is actually giving you a, a detailed estimate of effort and they're starting to log work and that sort of thing. Once again, I can click and drag for a custom ranking. I can sort this by different metrics or the score, and then I can send it over um, to development. Um it's been a while since we've talked about roadmaps, but this is this is not called AHA roadmaps for nothing. We have a, a lot of roadmaps to choose from. This is actually um really, really neat. The, the the point of that strategy and and that prioritization is to get this a visualization of our plan backed by strategy. Um to, to align everyone involved in, in the process around it. So here's those large themes of work. There's that um, uh, release there and uh, the features that support it. I've got critical dependencies here that as work slips, suddenly become the, the dangerous shade of red. Um, and and these are all living documents. So as I have just clicked around um, like that, I've actually changed the dates on this feature. This is not a static thing, um, which works both ways. It means that as things progress, I start to think, see... Um, see this roadmap live and um, and up to date. I don't have to spend my time in a past life as <laughs> a Scrum Master. I used to have to spend Friday for pre- prepping, prepping the roadmap for the Monday presentation, right? I can use those hours for something that's much more substantive. Um, and I can share that. Uh, anyone outside my AHA accounts or inside my AHA account, I can add this to a presentation, kind of a slide deck, a dashboard. I can create a secure web page or even schedule email delivery of this. And, and while I do that, I can choose based on the audience, what people should be able to see, um, what fields are important for them, even what features are important for them to be able to see. um, And and if they click into things, uh, what I want these audience to be able to see. The point is that once again, I'm aligning everyone around that grand strategy and the plan in place. Okay, that's roadmaps. I'm going to show you more roadmaps in the next step, but uh, first we're going to have
2: uh, Ian. A couple of really good points uh, that Eric had just brought up. You know, one is, Everything that you've seen so far, especially from that pragmatic side, there's there's a natural inkling to think of that as a brand new thing. What's my brand new product, my brand new initiative? And it absolutely is designed for that, as well as what's the next right thing to add? What's the next right option to add to my existing product? How do I use this sort of layers of prioritization as I go down? It's like purples all the way down. It's prioritization. A product life is a prioritized life. And so it's no surprise that you're going to see several screens that feel very similar. Because at each layer, we're helping to peel away that which is not as essential, but bringing in the very most important stuff for our teams to be working on so that we're bringing the right value to our company and we're bringing the right value to our customers. So uh, what you're seeing here, um, this this beautiful anachronism that I have in front of you is a metaphor. Uh, we we are not suggesting that you go out and, and empty staples of its three by five cards. What we're going to be thinking about now is how do we Instead of the word salad we sometimes like to create when we're trying to tell our our engineering teams, our development teams, what it is that we want them to work on, what problem do we want to help them solve? How do we get the most essential information to them so that we're, we're bringing the market forward to them, that continuing theme that we're talking about, as well as giving them the space to use the smarts that they've got, your engineers, your designers, your architects, so that they can bring a solution that really solves the problem without just having to build the thing you're telling them to build. So this is a construct for you to consider on how to capture those problems uh, and get them in the hands of the, uh, of the teams that are going to actually be building the solutions. Four pieces to this that you want to think about, and, and Eric has been great about bringing from the get-go, this has to be about a persona, right? There is someone in the market. People have problems. So how do we how do we bring that archetype of that person forward so that our engineering teams feel like they really understand who it is that they're solving for? And that's our persona. That's our who. Or what is the name you see atop there? And that was kind of like the cool nicknames, uh, the secret code names that Eric had mentioned, right? How do we have kind of a shared nomenclature of what this problem is? Because you're going to have a lot of them for any given persona. What's the why? What, when does this occur? And how does it occur for that, for that persona such that it is a problem that needs to be solved? That's that use scenario. And then uh, when or how often? What is the frequency that this problem occurs? And that's really important to capture and give to your development engineering teams as well, because that's gonna help decide what does the design look like, right? Think about something, a product you may use only once a year, you're gonna need a lot of handholding. That same handholding on a product you use every day is going to feel like very stifling. No shade to my friends at Microsoft, but if Clippy showed up every time I opened Word, I would not be using as much Word as I do today. So that's that kind of thinking about what is the right level of touch point for them. So let's imagine put ourselves in the place that we're building products for universities or colleges, we may have uh, a persona like Sarah, and once each term, Sarah has to pick courses for the next term, right? She's trying to graduate on time, but it's difficult to analyze the choices and degree requirements, and she's chosen wrong before. So we've not just said, as a user, I want to pick courses so that I can graduate, right? That that, that may be too vague, And we haven't also said, please build. Uh, a, a engine that will allow the selection of 17 classes that will write. And that's too stifling. Instead, what we've brought is context. We brought the context to our development and engineering teams. So they know who Sarah is, They know, what problem she's experiencing it. Why is it a problem for her? What has gone wrong for her? And how often is she going to be doing this? And that's going to allow them to really dig in and say, well, maybe this is the way to do it, or maybe this. And I saw in the, uh, in the chat a lot about, I'm hoping to talk more about testing and thinking about what's the right solution, right? If you bring if you bring uh, open problems that are really well focused on a persona, then your team has that freedom to do that. The other thing you wanna do, and this is really a, right alongside the ideas portal, and that is how many times, what is the market evidence we're seeing? When, how often are we hearing this occur? And how much of an impact is that is solving that problem going to have for Sarah and for that market? So this is, again, one more layer of prioritization down where we can say, hey, let's do a really simple, that, that amount of evidence times how impactful it is, and that'll help us prioritize. Now, what is that problem? Is that for you an epic? Is that an initiative? Is that a project that you'd build a PRD for? That's really going to depend on what your methodology is and what it is you're trying to do if you're doing Agile or Waterfall or Lean or Scrum or whatever. Really, what's important here is once again, you're bringing clear and open and collaborative prioritization so that when you go to talk to your teams, we can say, hey, this is what we're seeing in terms of priority. Let's talk about the right groupings. Let's think about the way we want to approach this list so that we're working on the most impactful things for the right personas right away. So we want to provide that context, right, all the way back to the problem. How are we are pulling the problem, the person, what's happening and why, so that our development teams, our designers, our architects, our UX can be thinking about the optimal solution for that problem, not just the thing we've told them to build. So Eric's gonna jump into some of the ways that AHA can help us there. So, so far
3: we've we've used our initial research to drive strategy and prioritization. Um, And and now it's time, um, I think in this next step, to to talk more about getting into the details and moving um, how to actually build this stuff. work closely with engineering to de- deliver those market-driven requirements. Uh, so let me take you back to the Features Board. Um, you might recognize this from earlier. Just to reassess or reorient uh, you, this is our, these each column is a release, a container for work organized around a specific date. And over on the right here, we've got parking lots. Uh, you might also call these backlogs. And these are features. So we, we've seen you this, uh, shown you this before, but I, I want to go one slight level deeper here to show you more about it. Um, here's that top athlete analytics uh, feature. Um, here's that idea we promoted it from, um, and here um, are the personas. Um, I can add more if I want to. This is a demo data, so you see uh, Paul and and Nick and Rachel show up a couple times there. Um, but but. This is something in, in my layout that I've I've chosen to prioritize. I could customize this and move it up a little bit so that the person is literally top of layout as well as top of mine as as I'm building it for. And when I'm ready to uh, move this into something I want to build, I drag it over here into into a release, um, and then it's ready to send to um, to engineering. In fact, let me show you that. Uh, here's a feature that spills out a little bit better. Okay, so. Um, I, I want to involve the engineering teams, um, if, if you are software, product, manufacturing, whatever, what have you, in. Um, I want to send str- strategic context uh, with them when I send the work over, right? I don't just want them to implement things. It's really important that everybody who works in this product um, understands why it matters and who it matters for. Um, and I can do that uh, through integration. So we've got about... Thirty different integrations, whatever your development team prefers: Jira, Azure, Rally, GitHub, you know, what, what have you. Uh, we've got an integration integration that talks with that, um, so that engineering can stay in a tool designed for them that they just love, or mostly love in the case of some of those, and and that you can stay in a tool designed for product teams, um, and that we can we can break down the barriers of the communication between them. Um, so right now, I can click here, and I'm I'm integrated with Jira in this workspace. Send this to one of a couple different Jira teams. Um, and not just send uh, the specs and the requirements, but I can include this includes custom field mapping, so I can I can determine to send the description or or something about the persona or, or kind of whatever is helpful to send over with them. Um, and this is a bi directional uh, integration if I want it to be, so they can send back not only. Uh, status updates, but but their changes of status can, can trigger status changes on my side as well. Um, they can send back effort, uh, effort estimates. And of course, we can comment and have conversations about, about how things are going. So I, I don't have to manually check in with them. Um, I can just see my roadmap update. In fact, let me show you right here. This is the strategic roadmap. You saw this before. I showed it to you, but I didn't show you everything um, because I wanted to do this live. Um, this can also include uh, progress or would if I click the button correctly. Sometimes I get talking while I'm on these things and, uh, <laughs> and get way too excited. Okay, you just saw the bars change uh, while I was babbling. Now I've got a roadmap that not only visualizes my strategy but shows how I'm progressing towards my goal. And and this came through integrated, um, integrated records. Um, so as development teams close, uh issues and, and features and that rolls up to different things that c- it can show progress here so i know that um you know expand partnerships is is doing great it's 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 um it's well on its way but but this whole feature this whole release might be having a little bit of trouble once again this is something that i can share um with everybody so everyone's uh, aligned around the same sort of thing we also for, for some dev teams they, they want to work in the same product as a as a product team um but but retain their own workflows and uh and in kind of their own spaces So we have, uh, we've launched something called AHA Develop. So AHA Roadmaps for product teams, AHA Develop for develop teams. You guys would share um, the same records here, and um, but have two different workflows at the same time. So you don't have to worry about field mapping or anything like that. But the point is that that however your dev- development team chooses to work and however you choose to work with them, we've got a way to share that communication bi-directionally and in, in real time. Um, so we go from there. Okay, I showed you a lot today on a very kind of surface level for um, for AHA Roadmaps. It was really fun for me. I hope, hope it was not overwhelming for you. If you've got um, questions about any of this, I, I think we have Q&A after this, but um, uh, also try this out. Try demo, talk to CS. Um, we don't have any salespeople. We're not incentivized to do uh, anything. We just like talking about this sort of thing. So um, give it a go.
2: That's all from AHA, except until the questions. <laughs> yeah, G, I think we'll hand it over to you
1: that sounds good um all right we have lots of questions here um and I'm happy that we're going to be able to chew through uh, a number of them um I think that this was uh hugely helpful for a lot of folks here so I am going to uh, I'm going to start at the high at a high level kind of at the beginning of our conversation um and I'll throw this one to you first but Eric I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are on this as well um we have someone who is looking for advice about introducing a really modern road mapping tool and driving adoption and use in a group of internally of, of internal folks, right? Um, some added context uh is this is an operationally focused, highly tenured group um, from the commercial banking sector. Um, so a little bit of context for the particular question asker, but in general, right? How do we drive adoption? How do we get someone to use a really great tool like this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll mention that the some of the same uh, kind of strategies you use when getting things from your market, you're going to want to use when you're doing internal, whether it's an internal product or trying to be the promoter of a uh, change within your organization. One, understand the problems. And I think internally, especially the concerns or fears that internal folks may have. So for example, you know, there's a lot of popularity now about things like now next later roadmaps or things that have stepped back a bit from the date and more on the, Where are we? What is it we're really trying to do? What is the outcome rather than the output? And that can generate a lot of fear uh, from sales, from marketing, from the executive team to feel like, well, how am I going to know when things are done? So it's about establishing those senses of communication. How am I going to keep you updated? How am I going to let you know where we are and what progress looks like? So I'm sure there are some cool ways in aha that that Eric's going to talk about there, but it's really about helping to understand what it is. What is the fear? What are the ways that you can counteract that fear? And where can you start to generate excitement about saying, ah, but if we do it this way, these are the benefits that you're going to experience. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear what Eric had to say. Oh, fantastic. And and
3: I love that balance of, of, of addressing and mitigating the fear and then finding those moments of excitement. Um, It's, if we, if you're switching to a new, you know, more modern roadmapping tool, that there is a lot of um, a lot of features that you're looking for, but but also those are both emotional things, um, relational things, like like ways to to show um, how you're doing and how you feel about your work. So it's um, Aha's big on on strategy. We we talk about going strategy first. I have a I'll share my screen again. Um, oh look how fast uh, it, we have in the in the knowledge base, which. I managed with it with the team. We, we've got a whole article about how to go through a trial and, and think about um, what you're looking for in a roadmapping tool, and and checking off things. So you can answer some of those more intellectual, process-driven questions. But but also to the emotional point, I, I think people's aha moment uh, um, is when they see that first roadmap. That that is a beautiful visualization of their strategies. Some of you on the call today have spreadsheets and and uh, sticky notes, and and you know not a way to show with color and with progress and visualize by time on how things are going. So um, I think opening up a trial and, and um, being able to show uh, roadmaps and, and different roadmaps, different ways to visualize your strategy sometimes helps folks uh, see a lot of hope and to feel like heroes because you're working incredibly hard and being able to show uh, progress towards that is a very cathartic thing. I, I think for a lot of folks, um, the commercial banking side of things, if there's regulatory or security issues there, I, I, I um, welcome those. Absolutely. Um, please continue to have those. I use this financial system as much as you do. Uh, so we, um, speaking for AHA personally, we have a whole security team and, and you can send your PRDs over and, and we go through, you know, line by line by line um, for all those stuff about how data is stored and saved. And we work with, you know, healthcare, banking, all that sort of thing.
2: Yeah. The other thing I'll mention uh, is that a product life is also a partnership life. So if you're thinking of adopting a new tool, make sure that you're partnering early and often with your engineering team. What is mm-hmm. it Get that set up? What is it going to take to share it? What does licensing look like? Don't surprise them with, hey, I tried this trial and we're ready to go. When are we when are we going to be on? Make sure that you're communicating early and often. That's wise. That's very wise.
1: Um, I've got a question, um, Eric, about uh, a kind of a level of view in Aha when we are um, doing Nahito uh, research logging and sharing, right? Um, so uh, this this participant has several PMs that are all in the instance of Aha, um, and is wondering if there's kind of a higher level reporting option for Nahito meetings um, where the supervisor can see all of the different conversations that are happening, all of the different Nahito um, views, kind of at a high level. Is yeah. that something that um you can you can guide through?
3: Yes, I hope so. Um and and disclaimer, anytime I can't guide through something, talk to CS. They, they, they are experts. But if you're having um those high level nahito meetings, Nahidings, um, we've got stuff over here on the uh if you can still see my screen, this this is called a, a product line. So in, in my demo workspace here, here's the Fredwin Software Product Portfolio and there's the different products that they offer. If someone maybe at this level once wants, wants to look over all Nihito happening across the portfolio and maybe see progress, but also talk about workflows and, and how you know cycling and running and swimming are all oriented towards market research that can happen up up on this level. The the product line has, has a couple of, of neat things about it. You can um set templates here that are accessible all the way down. You can actually set um on different payment plans uh, workspace templates. So These folks have all the same settings or or the same terminology, or you can do a lot from top down here. Um, That's really helpful, uh, along with storing stuff here. So I I work in marketing at at AHA, and we have a marketing line um, with content and product and digital and all the different marketing teams down there. Um, The stuff that lives up here in the marketing line is our big organizational meetings and the team lead meetings and, and some of our our, our line level strategy, honestly, that that gets filtered down. So um, the marketing initiatives, I, I create my own initiatives with knowledge base that that roll up to those, um, and I'm able to to visualize how how my um, workspace strategy is affecting um, marketing. Yeah,
1: I think that that's yeah. wonderful. Cool. Thank you. All right, this one, uh this one for you, Ian. Um, in your experience, uh, do you think that it makes sense to um when you're trying to determine the problems that are worth solving, right? Do you think that it makes sense to add more criteria in addition to the urgency pervasiveness and willing to willingness to pay? Um, do you think adding more criteria can be helpful and useful, or is that kind of treading more on over analysis?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um Now, I will caveat by saying you may work at a business that has a very specific set of criteria and ways that things are to be prioritized and thought about. I would recommend you start to consider how to normalize some of this new way of thinking. But for that particular set of three, really what we're trying to do is a very quick kind of litmus test of this is a problem. I know my market. I'm an expert in it. And I talk to it all the time. Do I get a good sense of urgency, pervasiveness, willingness to pay? You don't want to put too much weight on that early set that that early part of the frontal, if you will, because there's so many problems. You are bombarded by them. You will not have time to do a full spreadsheet analysis of each of those. So I would use that more as your internal gut check. You're pretty quick. How do, I, how do I validate quickly whether these are really one of these three things? And if I don't pass, then it moves on. And it may be something I noticed earlier. So I'm like, I don't want to lose a good idea. It's not urgent today, but it might be tomorrow. That's great to start thinking about how do you separate out a potential problems backlog from a this is what we're going to be work on product backlog. Oftentimes those things get conflated. The product backlog gets huge, and every six months you just go and wipe out a bunch of stuff that may be great later. Think instead about what is your level of of uh, you know what are you going to help edit down, and then what gets moved over into where the teams may start to see it and realize it. So I wouldn't put too much weight early on. That middle section where you've kind of determined it's an opportunity and you're deciding if it's one your company should solve, that's where you may, you're really going to want to talk with stakeholders and think about what are the four or five criteria that are really important to us as a business? Is it investment level? Is it competitive? Is it, you know, the new direction we want to go? How aligned is it to our strategy? That's when you're going to want to be collaborative and a little more clear on. But early on, this is really just about, let's make sure that the, the, the silly stuff stays off the desk.
1: Really helpful. I've got another question uh, that I think I would really love to hear perspectives from uh, both Ian and Eric on. Um, So this is an asker whose problem is uh, that he's got far more ideas coming into the ideas portal uh, than the Dev and QA team has capacity to address, right? Um, I'm sure many on this uh on this conversation can relate to this but here's here's the issue there's a lot of really great ideas and he doesn't want them to get lost in like a future bucket right that just languishes uh, endlessly but it's you know it's pretty likely that that his team is not going to be able to consider them for years like a couple years to come right is there a specific way that you would think about categorizing that in AHA specifically, and then also how do you represent those to your product team and also to your customers, right? So categorizing those ideas to your team so people don't feel demotivated, right, to never work on them, and also so customers don't feel like they have just been ignored um, and they haven't been addressed. So multifaceted question there. Um, I will let each of you kind of wrap your hands around it as you see fit.
3: Yeah, Eric,
2: you want to take a first swing there?
3: Yeah, sure. I, for, first off, I think it's it's worth starting with. This is a, this is a high class problem. You have a, a community that's very engaged, and they're talking to you. Like that's that is a blessing that that so many of us I used to work in startups would just beg for. Um, and, and so we can we can solve a lot of it. But but first, it's worth just in enjoying someone who cares about your vision and your product and they have ideas. Um, and and I love that you've already recognized that the most innovative thing is is probably in there, the thing that's going to um, inform a strategic pivot or, or help you really build something that your customers love. That's, that's exciting. Um, so I, I know it feels onerous to just be buried by years of ideas. Um, I've worked in backlogs that are Hundreds or thousands of features deep, and it's just um, it's it's disappearing into the abyss. Uh, th- there's a couple different ways you could you could attack it. Sort of just uh, hiring a hundred people, um, and and that is uh, this in in Aha. What are I want to show you um, uh, ideas. Uh, let me show you our ideas portal again. Um, so if someone adds a new idea in Aha, they get to choose a category. Um, and they get to choose some urgency, and, and this is a custom layout that that I can customize um, based on things that help me just bucket ideas very quickly. And on the back end, when when I'm working here, I, I, I can then build reports or dashboards that look at just those buckets, something that someone feels very urgent about, and it's and it's about um, our analytics side of things. And I'm talking, I'm, the sprint planning for for the analytics team is tomorrow. Let's look at those those top ideas, that sort of thing. So I. Um, I, I can use those additional buckets. Um, I can also go with things that have, that are very popular, that have a lot of votes on them. If people are talking about an idea, then that's a sign that it's that it's at least urgent to the people who I care most about and I'm building for. Um, and so I can kind of slice away at this and and baby steps my way to uh, um, an entirely you know uh, resolved um, ideas portal. Um, I I think that might help to you can add your own custom metrics too and, and adjust that layout to, to um, if you were an ideas advanced user we have the concept of um, organizations so you can group everyone that comes from a, a particular organization um maybe in a particular demographic or a segment that you're really interested in and see hey well what's aerocycle into what are their top ideas I can I can see it right here and see what they're they're voting on most so there's a couple different ways to pick bytes of that double excel um, XXL, um ideas beats there.
2: Yeah. I think a, a couple of things I write off of what Eric just said, right, is remember who is it that's experiencing this problem? Uh, oftentimes idea portals can be very customer driven. So that is, one, that is one piece of the pie of your segment that may not represent your evaluators or may not represent those potentials out there in the market that don't, haven't heard about you yet, but may have that problem. So take take some caution in terms of how much weight you're putting on there. Uh, The other thing I would just think about is that idea portals often come across as solution portals. This is saying, I want you to create a report that, or I want you to put a button here that does this. You're going to have to do some translation work to think about what is the problem that's existing there. If you have that ability to kind of affinity map and follow up, if you can do some Nihito interviews and try to understand, or maybe I saw a lot about AI on here. Maybe GPT can be helping you with some affinity mapping to figure out what are those main buckets, and then maybe start to shift that thinking from the solution-based thinking to the problem-based thinking, and for who who is experiencing that problem. That way we avoid another term we talk about here at Pragmatic is the the noisy 20. It's very easy for the people that are coming into your face and telling you what you want to miss the quiet 80% back there that has problems and needs, but doesn't come forward and speak. So uh, I love the idea of being able to get that feedback, that direct feedback, but think about the ways that you can quantify it as a problem, find out who it's for, and then put it in the context of the total market you're trying to serve.
1: All right. A little bit of a a pivot in topic here, Um, but a question that I have noticed come up in a, a number of different forms and descriptions across a lot of different askers. So I think it's a really important one for us to cover, right? So A number of folks on here are assigning scores to different ideas, features, roadmap items for prioritization right? Um, And they've all got multiple groups of stakeholder teams that are all assigning different parameters and different scoring uh, based on really different value systems, right? Um, So each scoring parameter is valued differently across the team, but they're all kind of in the same place assigning those scores, right? So how do you suggest that you get a group of Stakeholders all together and really consolidate and calculate the final score for that prioritization. Um, this is another one that I'd be really curious to hear both perspectives on.
2: Yeah, I'll start just to say that, um, you know, oftentimes as product professionals, we don't have authority, but we have responsibility. And this is one of those responsibility areas. You're going to be the driver to say, I'm not going to come and tell you the four or five things we're going to use but I am going to have the discussion with you, all the necessary stakeholders to understand what is it that you're trying to value? When you say, I want to value this, what does that mean to you? Help understand some of the descriptions and understanding and get a shared and collaborative uh, definition of the terms that we're using. The other thing to remember is that estimation is hard and it is fraught, right? There, What I think is an XL, Eric may think is an L and Georgina wants it to be an XS because she's the CEO and she wants it done last week. Like that's These things just happen. And so that's where uh, being open and being very clear being able to have some sessions with the right groups of people to say, you you use this score and I use this score. Let's talk that out. What does that mean to you? Why did you put it that way in a a very open and psychologically safe way? So I'm not being defensive about my answer. I'm trying to give context to it. I think that's gonna help you to start to normalize. But any of you that work with scrum teams or agile teams use story points or or t-shirt sizes or any of those knows, it just takes normalization and practice to try to get down to a to a similar way of thinking about each aspect. But love to hear what Eric's thoughts are.
3: I yeah, thought that was so insightful. I, I like I think it's estimation and, and scoring is 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 a proxy for um value. It's a way to express something in, in like quantifiable terms that that we have um a, a lot of deep feelings and and opinions about, right? Like we we need to have a number just so we can decide what goes in the next sprint. Um if you're following sprints, but uh, it's it's distilling a, a lot of psychological and business driven you know opinions so so having those meetings is I, I think would be really important and and also really interesting just to, especially if you're working uh, like we are across the product portfolio to see how the, how the runners think about um product value and and what the platform team is building and and some um, different teams there there's a couple of different ways to to implement this that depending how that shakes out, but I would definitely start with the in solution. You can have multiple scorecards on, on an item if you want to, especially if a dev team needs to size a thing and that's different than an effort, effort estimation. um or you can you can talk here and and hammer it out. You can also move beyond the scorecard and and just click and drag right and say, um, this is a fourteen and and this is a fifteen, but but I think they're the more um interested like that. I, it is a it is a tricky situation, especially if if there's not the ability. No, ability is the wrong word. If you don't wanna just pull rank and say, this is the score that we're gonna use across time. But I also think it's worthwhile to, to look backwards. So there's a report in AHA Roadmaps. I don't know if I have it here unless I'm in a team uh, called the Product Value Delivered Report. So we can um, look back over the last few sprints or so the last few releases and and see, the, the total number of uh, of, of value that, that we've delivered to them and to see if the, scores, the scorecard metrics are are working, right? Like the whole point of this is not to agree on a number. The point is to deliver something that customers actually love and, and that's useful for our business as far as them, you know, continuing to engage with, with our product and services. Um, so, so that's useful too. Um, it might just take a period of experimentation and then looking back to say, okay, using this metric, um, uh, here's how accurate you are. Uh, you can... Because uh, last thing I'll say is is because we're we're scoring at least in aha roadmaps at a couple of different periods, you know, when I'm reviewing ideas and also when I'm reviewing uh features, I can report on these scores uh side by side as well. Um, after it's all over or even while it's happening and say, okay, this this came in with an idea score of 15 and then it dropped down to a seven when we actually got it into a release. Uh and, and that could be fine. Like we 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 don't necessarily need a completely accurate idea score, but it it we like to say in aha that it doesn't the reports don't say something's good or bad, but, but they create opportunities for a conversation to say, why is that so different? Is there something about how we think about ideas that's different? Is there more different questions we should be asking? Um, are we actually building the right things at the end of the day when we go to kind of the analysis step of the of the development lifecycle?
2: Yeah, and Eric spoke as a great pragmaticist to say, when in doubt, go back to the market. What is the market? Yeah. What is the evidence? What is the impact that the market has to say? This this is quantitative. It is also qualitative. It can be emotionally driven, but if you bring strong market evidence, you're the one that's bringing what matters most.
1: All right. We are right at the top of the hour. I swear, I just looked at the clock and we had time for like three more questions. But when when you're having fun, uh, time flies. So that is all that we have time for today. Um, I am going to wrap it up here. There are still so many questions um, that people have asked and I'm really excited to answer all of them. Um, So I really encourage you to continue the conversation. Um, You are all going to receive an email in the coming days with a recording of this conversation, also with links for how to continue um, asking some of your um, very specific AHA questions with Eric and team at AHA, right? Some really great questions about how AHA integrates with things, how to get particular views that are gonna work for your instance. Um, We're gonna answer all of those questions for you. Um, There were also a number of questions um, that I think your peers would have a really great answer for. Questions like when in my product maturity cycle is the right time to introduce a roadmap tool, or um, you know how do how do I make sure I don't squander community engagement um, when in my ideas portal when I'm not going to get to eighty percent of those ideas, but I, I want to make sure they're valued, right? Those kinds of questions, those will be a great to ask in Pragmatics alumni community. So um, really look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Most of all, though, this has clearly been hugely helpful for so many people, Eric. Ian, thank you so much for being with us. Um, This has been a really wonderful time.
2: Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.
1: All right. Bye, everybody. We'll catch you next time.